Riley Murtha, and I'm your host. This is Life and Shit, your weekly safe haven away from all of the artificial bullshit going on out there, where we discuss what it means to live well, what it means to truly feel good, and how we can achieve those things. So thank you so much for being here, and let's get to this week's episode. Thank you for tuning in. I'm very excited about this episode, my very first interview episode, and I'm obsessed with my guest. Today we have Bridget Cosma, the Cambo queen herself, and she's going to school us all on plant medicine. She's going to teach us about Cambo. She's going to share a bit about her own journey She is someone who is doing incredible healing work here in Vancouver, someone who I find incredibly inspiring and fascinating, and someone who has been a part of my own spiritual healing journey. I'm so excited for this conversation. I gotta be honest with you guys, the sound on this one is not my best work, but let's be honest, I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm learning, so you'll have to turn the volume up. Trust me, it's worth it. Be patient with this episode. Bridget is serving the knowledge that we all need. So let's get to it. Okay, I'm so excited to get started here. I'm here with Bridget. Hi. Welcome. So excited. My very first interview. Oh, really? Yes. (laughs) Sweet. So let's get started. Why don't you let us know a little bit about your business and what you're doing for work right now? Well, I'm a Cambo practitioner, and I've been doing that for about two years now, and I'm also training others to be Cambo facilitators as well as training people to self-serve so that they can empower themselves to serve themselves the medicine as well. And Cambo is a frog medicine that comes from the Amazon. The warrior tribes use it to empower their immune systems naturally. It's warrior medicine they use it to build endurance and strength so that they can hunt and it enhances their senses so that they can just do the hunting and all of the gathering and things that they need to do it has many different purposes and it's known as the vaccine of the rainforest it can help to heal pages and pages of different ailments basically any ailment that you can think of cambo can be used to help heal that so that's kind of my, my job. Uh, I like to, to say that the plant medicine is the doctor and I'm the nurse. So I'm just kind of like a nurse with this, this uh, I guess it's an animal medicine. And yeah, that's basically what I do. I love that. <laughs> I love the nurse analogy. Okay, so how did you discover Cambo? Well, I was violently ill when I left my old life. My whole world came crashing down on me. I guess I had brought myself into a state of energetic bankruptcy. And I had no idea that that was actually a thing until I became extremely ill. And I was in bed for two months and nothing was helping me. Basically, anytime I would eat anything, I would feel like I was digesting razor blades. And so I started spending all of this money on trying to heal and I finally found this lady who was my angel. I knew she was my angel because we had the same birthday and she synchronistically came into my life and she put me on this meal plan and all of these supplements and guided me into what to do and it, it helped a lot. Basically it like healed me I thought until I started to go off a meal plan and anytime I would go off of it and eat like an apple I would start to feel like I was dying again and I realized that there was a deeper energetic block and it was very spiritual. So a bunch of synchronistic events led me to Cambo. I went to the plant medicine conference and I saw this lady speak about Cambo and it was weird because as soon as I got to the conference, I saw her and she was this avatar walking around the room and I couldn't take my eyes off of her. And then the next day she got up and spoke about Cambo and I was like, I need this medicine. She's from Portland, Oregon, and 
I didn't think I was ever going to see her again. I didn't know if I was going to get to meet the frog. And then one day, like six months later, she came through town to serve Cambo, and I sat with her for three days in a row. And on my first two days, I purged out black-brown. So basically, with Cambo, you drink two liters or a liter and a half of water, and the water acts as a medium to draw out toxins from your nervous system and organs, and then different colors and consistencies come out of you depending on what you're releasing. And so the black-brown was releasing energetic and physical parasites. And then the third day, I purged out green, blue. It was like the Caribbean Ocean. And that was the day that the Cambo frog came to me and was like, you are to serve this medicine. And so from that point on, uh, it took me about nine sessions to really feel the blockage fully release from me. But after those three initial sessions, I was like 60% healed from this condition. And within a month integrating those three initial sessions, there was this huge weight that had left me and I had no idea that I had been carrying that my I guess whole life but there was this huge weight that you know I'd been working with plant medicine for five years at this point and or six years actually and uh, this weight was with me this whole time and it wasn't until I had cambo that it was lifted my body started to clear and it was obviously candida that was like this deeply connected Thing to a deeper trauma and I got to purge that out and release that and then by my ninth session I felt like extremely free from all of that and really believed in the power of Cambo. Wow that's so interesting. Yeah it's pretty fascinating. It is fascinating. Okay so let's go backwards a little bit and talk about your old life that you mentioned briefly. What did that look like? Uh, my old life, I I was a stripper, and I started doing that when I was 19 years old, and it was very tumultuous. I was really heavy into drugs and alcohol. I had started drinking and doing drugs when I was, well, the first time I drank and smoked pot, I was eight years old, and then by the time I was 12, I was like a full-blown alcoholic and drug addict, and uh then by the time I was 19, I was just ready to get on the pole. And so I did. <laughs> and uh, sold my soul to the stripper pole. And I had a lot of fun at first. It was really fun. Um, I always said that I wasn't going to cross a lot of lines, but I, I crossed a lot of lines and I did a lot of lines. <laughs> <laughs> that was so poetic. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, my best friend, uh, she, when I was 22, she committed suicide. And we'd been friends since we were six years old. And it literally tore my life apart. I had experienced a lot of trauma in my lifetime, but I had suppressed everything into my subconscious. And then this event literally brought it all out onto the operating table and started purging out of me. And PTSD was activated. I started having these severe panic attacks. Um, I was extremely depressed. I went way deeper into drugs and alcohol than I had ever been. And uh, I was put on like five different prescription medications. I was popping Ativan in time the panic attacks came in. And just drinking and doing drugs and brought myself to the deepest, darkest rock bottom that I could ever imagine. And uh, then I got super desperate and ended up in the Amazon of Peru drinking ayahuasca to heal the PTSD, to find sobriety because I wanted to get sober more than anything. But no matter what I did, I could not stop drinking and using drugs. And so there was that. But the main reason I went down there was to heal my grief because I lost my sister. And she was she was with me. Like uh, the, the day that she passed away, I got down on my knees and I prayed for her to be born through me and to visit me in my dreams. And that night I had a very powerful dream where she came to me and she visited me in my dreams for like every week for a year. And then she would visit me in real life. And that was when my spiritual awakening really started to happen. So I went down to Peru to really deeply connect to her spirit and her soul and to my own spirit and soul. I got the healing that I needed and I healed from my PTSD. I found sobriety not too long after that and healed from the grief from that incident. And then I ended up moving to Nicaragua for a few years and had a raw vegan restaurant and started teaching yoga and had a yoga retreat business. And uh, 
And I got sober too. That's where I found AA as well. And then I got, I don't know, I had this, this thing, the saboteur that comes into us and says, you know what, like, fuck this all. I just kind of want to go back to my old life, started to miss the glitz and glam. But at this point, I had already done so much medicine work and I was sober. And then I went back to stripping and it was a whole other ball game. Like, God and the universe did not want me in there, but my stubbornness really was not letting me stop. I had some more learning to do and some deeper lessons to learn. So I, uh, I ended up going back in there for a few more years until I hit like a really hard, sober rock bottom. And God came out of the sky and literally like pulled me out of the garbage can with these giant gold tongs and put me, <laughs> put me, put me somewhere else and was like, okay, now it's time to stop. And I literally had to stop. I had no choice. And then that's when I stopped and became sick. And yeah. I had like goosebumps that whole time. Oh, wow. That's so crazy. That's such an incredible story. And it's so hard to imagine any of that because I only know this version of you. And for those of you that don't know her, she has this like healing, super calm, beautiful energy and just like so wonderful. So it's so fascinating to me to hear that history of yours. So there was so much there and I want to talk about pretty much all of that. But let's talk about your sobriety. When you first got sober, you mentioned AA. So what was your experience like with the organization and then how did that shift? Okay, so basically when I got out of the jungle, my boyfriend at the time was like, do you want to move to Nicaragua? And I was like, oh, right, let's move to Nicaragua. And at that point I was really wanting to be sober and I was trying really hard to do it on my own and I would only go on a bender like once a month which was a really big success for me and then we moved down to Nicaragua and I started drinking a lot and doing cocaine because the cocaine down there was like really good and then on my last bender I was over at a friend's house that was literally right across the street from the restaurant that I was building from the ground up so the structure was like halfway built I had an amazing partner, I was living somewhere sunny, I was, all of these things that I had prayed for at my rock bottom, I had this moment where I prayed to God, I'm like, I want to live somewhere sunny, I want to be sober, I want a normal boyfriend, I want a business of health, like, please God, just like, take me out of this hellhole. And then I remember staring at the moon on my last bender, and I looked up at the moon, and Mother Ayahuasca came out of the moon and was like, if you want the rest of what you asked for and prayed for, which is basically everything that you have now, you have to get sober. Otherwise, you're going to lose everything. So you need to go find AA. And I was like, what? Like, where am I going to find AA in Nicaragua? And then the next day, I looked in the San Juan del Sur newspaper, and there was a thing in the back that said, meetings. AA and I called and there was one other female in the meetings and like two old dudes on the beach and we all got together and there was a meeting once a week and she took me on as her sponsee and I started working the steps and it was so challenging because I was just getting sober and I was so like mentally fragmented and I was starting this business of health and I just felt so messed up like how am I going to get sober and run a business and be in a relationship and do all this work because I was doing all this deep soul work that I had never done before and all I wanted to do was drink. It was so hard. The first year was really challenging but the steps that I did held me accountable and that group held me accountable and my business held me accountable because I had to show up for it every single day and uh I was also working with ayahuasca still. So I was working with the plant medicine in San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua, and I was doing a lot of ceremonies. And I started to use AA as a platform to integrate my plant medicine experiences because integration is super important if you're going to be doing those deep dives because you're unlocking your subconscious and bringing out all of these deeply lodged things that are attached to you that need to come out and be released and cleared and processed and the only way to do that is to have some form of integration, and AA was that for me. But I had to keep it quiet because ayahuasca is a mind-altering substance. Mm -hmm. 
So I couldn't tell anybody that I was doing that. I had to keep it to myself. So I kind of had this like double world going and I felt a little bit guilty about it. But then I started to research and I was like, um, AA and ayahuasca. And then I found some stuff about Bill Wilson, who's the founder of AA. He did psychedelic therapy like 23 years or something into his sobriety and had such positive results because he was really struggling. He ran up against a huge wall of depression and was seriously struggling. And he started working with LSD to heal and wanted to implement that into the program. But everybody was like, no, we need to keep it simple. But as I did more research, I found out that Bill Wilson, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, he had gone into Belladonna treatment, which is a psychedelic therapy that they had way back in the day where they were using this medicine to treat alcoholics. And he had a spiritual awakening through this experience. And this was the spiritual awakening that they talk about in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so I started to be like, you know what, like, Bill Wilson is a G and it's all good. Like I can drink ayahuasca and do AA. Like, okay. So I started doing that. And then I was working the steps and I got to like step, uh, what was it? Step 11 where you're keeping like a, or maybe, yeah, step 11 or step 10 where you're keeping like a daily inventory of being honest. And I kept feeling like I need to tell my sponsor about this. Like I'm doing really good. Like life is great. And I, I'm just going to tell her and be like, you know what, this is, this is the truth. And I told her and then she dumped me as her sponsee. And then I was like, this is whack. Like, I can't be honest. This medicine has seriously changed my life. And now I'm just going to leave the program and do my own thing. And shit kind of hit the fan for a few years. And that was kind of when I went back to stripping and stuff got really, really chaotic and scary. Uh, until I kind of figured it out and then I went and did iboga which is a whole other story but yeah iboga is used to help people with addiction and iboga was really the catalyst that got me out of stripping because stripping is another addiction for me like money and power and materialism and all of the things that I can fill that black hole with Mm -hmm. I was filling it with all of the things from that world and then when I gave it all up the universe was literally like taking everything that wasn't me away from me. It was really like symbolic. Like I almost felt like my fake nails and my extensions and my eyelashes and my Louis Vuitton bags were just like ripping off of me and like flying in the wind, like Wizard of Oz. And I was just like, (laughs) oh my God, I couldn't even keep any of it. And it all had to go and I had to sell it all (laughs) so that I could like afford to feed myself. (laughs) That's such a visual. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I mean, it's so inspiring. It gives us so much kind of perspective into your journey. And I feel like a lot of people listening probably can take a lot away from that because you really have gone from one extreme to the other. You've mentioned being at rock bottom more than once. And now you seem to be in such a wonderful place and so at peace and you're able to help others on their healing journey. As part of your business, you do sobriety coaching. Yeah, I do. So tell us about that. What does that look like? And do you incorporate plant medicine into that or? Well, I work with people that are wanting to work with plant medicine to access their sobriety. And to be honest, like I haven't really done a lot of coaching with people in this realm. I work more with Cambo to help people access their sobriety. That's just kind of like what it's turned into. And I do incorporate coaching within that context. So people will come to me for Cambo and they'll tend to come for quite a few sessions because to work on more chronic issues, you need to have more Cambo. And through the process of me working with them, I work with Cambo and coaching and deep spiritual work, mystical energies that are weaving through to assist in the process of helping the person come to their selves, come and dissolve back to their true self and ignite their solar plexus willpower to be able to make strong choices for their sobriety. Uh, I was trained as a plant medicine integration coach as well as an addiction recovery coach. So I do use aspects of my training to weave into the work that I do, but mostly people with addictions, they'll come to me for Cambo, let's say 
they're on Suboxone or on these really heavy medications that are like opiate blockers and things that are blocking them from going down to the streets and using these hard drugs, but these other drugs are basically just as bad because when you try to come off of them, it's like three months of withdrawal. And I work with Cambo to help purge their bodies of these medications so that the withdrawal isn't as bad. And there's like a whole system that I use to help people come off of that as well as, you know, I have a girlfriend who was a heavy drinker her whole life and she came to me and did three sessions of Cambo in three days um, along with the coaching and guidance that I gave her and she's been sober for a year and a half now. So yeah, there's... There's definitely been some work that I've done to help people in their sobriety with plant medicine and the, the coaching as well. That's amazing. That is so interesting. So are there other plant medicines that you use to help people in their healing or with their sobriety? I refer people to other places to receive healing from different types of plant medicines. Ayahuasca has been a big part of my journey, as well as Iboga. I definitely refer a lot of people to both of those places. Iboga is such a powerful medicine to help people heal from addiction. It's been the biggest catalyst for me in many regards. Most people only do Iboga once or twice in their lifetime for a reason, whereas with Ayahuasca, I've sat with Ayahuasca like 70 times. But with Iboga, I've, I've sat with it twice, and it's been a really powerful teacher to help me to release these addictive behaviors like all of the addictive behaviors because they're all basically costumes of the same issue so aboga resets the neural pathways in the brain as well as it binds the the cell receptors in the brain so that somebody that's going through opiate withdrawal they go to do aboga so that they don't have any withdrawal symptoms and they come through the other side after having this like 24-hour psycho-spiritual experience that is defragmenting and recalibrating the entire brain they come out most of the time free from the addictive patterns and having had no withdrawal symptoms so it gives them a full reset which is actually quite miraculous so they're using iboga at these like high-end treatment centers all over the world to bring people off of opiates but it also works for other drug addictions as well because it does reset the neural pathways to such a powerful degree that you know it just freeze the head so that you have this space in your life to be able to make conscious choices that are free from addiction for a window of time. It's not a magic bullet. None of these medicines are magic bullets. They will show us the top of the mountain, but we have to do the work to get there. And the medicine will stay in our field and act as a guide to assist us in that climb up the mountain. So like ayahuasca and aboga are very special because they stay with you. The spirit of the medicine stays with you and acts as a guide to assist you to make positive choices. And the veil becomes very, very thin and the medicine is working with you and will come through to be that guide. And iboga is a very long integration, at least it was for me. Like, uh, I think I'm still integrating it and it's been three years. But yeah, it's I, I feel the spirit of these medicines with me continuously. And so that's something that is very hopeful for somebody coming from such a strong background of addiction is like I have these guides and these energies that are really assisting me and helping me, but I have to do the work as well because the universe and the plant medicine spirits will meet me halfway as long as I keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I see that and I feel that so strongly that it gives me the courage to keep putting one foot in front of the other because I keep seeing everything manifest and open and heal and it just amazes me. So long story short, I don't necessarily work with other medicines that I can speak of, but I, I do refer people elsewhere for sure. So they are using that in treatment facilities? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank God, because it sounds like the, like, miraculous is, like, the perfect word for that. It is miraculous. I've never heard of that until right now. Yeah. <laughs> Why are more people not talking about this type of healing? Well, they are. They're bringing more awareness to it now. There's a lot of work being done in the world to bring the awareness to these medicines and the incredible healing benefits that they have. They're becoming decriminalized all over the states. They're trying to decriminalize them here. It's it's a process, but it's happening. It's happening.
That's so exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting. It's about time. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe for anybody who doesn't know what the term integration means, can you explain what that means in that context? Into great. <laughs> Basically, it's like simple. all <laughs> simple. <laughs> Basically, all of the work that you do to bring yourself into greatness and it's a journey. It's basically that, that trek up the mountain, the medicine showing us the top of the mountain where we can be. The medicine has a way to show us our highest potential. It has a way to show us the internal landscape of our being at a microscopic level and can show us exactly what we're made of and exactly what we can do and gives us so much hope and faith. Then we come out of the journey and we're like, oh my God, like, why is that just not me now? Because we have to do the work. We have to integrate the wisdom that the medicine is showing us. And we have to hold that picture and hold that frequency in our consciousness as we keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep doing the good things that we're being guided to do in order to integrate this experience. It's work. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So what are some of the things that you do when you talk about putting one foot in front of the other and kind of committing to that integration? What are the things that you do to make sure that you're getting to the top of the mountain and staying there? Well, through this process, I believe that the spiritual life is about the purification process and purifying to your true self, your true saintly self. And that has been my journey. And it has fully asked me to walk a very straight and narrow line. Like there's no wiggle room for me to dive into any darkness because I get punched in the face by the universe anytime I even try to do that. And so my journey has been to walk a very straight and narrow path and to just accept and surrender to the fact that I don't get to do the self-sabotaging behaviors anymore. And when I try to, I get a huge, huge sign from the universe. So it's about listening to the signs and following the intuition, the internal guidance system that is connected to spirit, that is connected to God or whatever you wish to label it as. And the medicine has a way of decalcifying us, dissolving us of these blockages that aren't us so that we can really hear our true self, so that we can really hear the wisdom that is being asked of us within us to be able to walk that narrow path and purify and then when we are at that place you know this is where we are integrated we become whole we become complete and there's never any like getting to the top of the mountain and that being it then there's another mountain that we have to climb and that's just life life is the healing arts but the more that we can just kind of be in the flow of life being the healing arts and accept it and surrender it and find ways to process our emotions and find really powerful tools through the integration process to to continually unravel and unwind our karma in a very effective, healthy way, then that is really great integration on the continuum. Thank you. What a beautiful explanation. That all makes so much sense. That was a really good segue into something that I've been wanting to ask you, which is how did you come up with your business name and what does that mean to you? Mm, true self-renewal. Well, I had a hell of a time integrating my plant medicine experiences. I'd been working with the medicine for like five years and I was chasing it, just hoping that it would fix me. I was just doing ceremony after ceremony after ceremony, and, but I wasn't willing enough to listen to the true deep wisdom that it was showing me, which was asking me to leave the old life behind and change all kinds of behaviors that I was just extremely resistant to. It was almost like I just didn't know how, and I didn't know that I didn't know how, and it was so deeply lodged in my subconscious that I could not access this way to be able to stop the saboteur within myself that kept doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And so... The medicine would keep showing me what I was doing, but I didn't know how to integrate it. I didn't know what to do. After getting smacked in the face by the universe enough times, I found this plant medicine integration coach training program. And I was like, I'm going to take this training for addiction recovery and plant medicine integration to learn how to do it for myself so that I can help others with it as well because it's the most important thing about working with these medicines. Medicines aren't going to fix us. 
I tried that and I need to find a way to integrate all of this. So I did it and then in the program they talked a lot about the true self and coming back to the true self. And the true self is who we are at a soul level and it's the self that is free from all of the attachments and illusions and from the space of the true self we can access the seeds of our gifts and what we came here to really be and do. And from that place, I started to understand that once we release all of the things that aren't us and we come back to the true self and start to water the seeds of our soul's gifts for this lifetime, we become our highest version of ourselves, our true selves. And that is basically what I want to help other people do is to release all of the things that are not them so that their true self can emerge and from the place of the true self, the true self knows exactly what to do. We know exactly what to do. There's a reason why we have these gifts. They just need to be nurtured and that is also what I want to do is to help people access their gifts and grow them and empower them and then from there addictions and all kinds of things just dissolve on their own and that is what it all means to me. Yes. Fuck yeah. That's it. So good. I always say that I'm trying to peel back all of the layers just to get to myself. Like all the conditioning, all the trauma, all the bullshit, all of everything. Just trying to figure out what's not me and what is me. So I think that's when I first saw your business and your Instagram, like that really spoke to me and I'm sure it speaks to a lot of people. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So to go back to Cambo, let's like walk everyone through what a Cambo experience looks and feels like because I've done it with you quite a few times but I've only done micro doses of it so I've never done like the full-on experience because I'm a little bitch (laughs) (laughs) pretty scary (laughs) and you guys are about to find out why but it was great every time I did it I was glad that I did but let's kind of like break it down what does it mean to have a combo experience all right well you can have a gentle cambo experience like with what you did which is a microdose which is a nice way to build a subtle gentle loving relationship to the medicine and the medicine is full of bioactive peptides that flood your body with so much divine healing and you can get that through even just a microdose i know that during covid i would get like a phantom covid sore throat and then i would do a little microdose of cambo and it would just like burn that sickness and that energetic lock away from me and I was able to just like fight that energy that was like coming up and I've never been sick so they use it to heal the body of sickness so basically what you do is you burn these little tiny marks onto the skin with an incense stick and then the person drinks one and a half liters of water then the frog medicine frog venom is this little gelatinous texture that gets rolled into a little ball and placed onto the burn marks, which then goes directly into the lymphatic system and starts to work its way into the body almost instantly. And in that instant moment, when you start to feel the medicine, which is within about a minute to three minutes, your heart starts to beat really fast, your body starts to feel like it's filling with fire, your face starts to blow up like a frog you literally turn into the frog and (laughs) (laughs) then you get really really sick and if we weren't sick like if we didn't have sickness that needed to be purged out of us we would not get sick but because we do have that sickness that needs to be released we get really really sick with this medicine and then the purging begins and you start to release the sickness and you basically feel like you're dying for 20 minutes and then purge out whatever is being released, which I mentioned before comes out in different colors and consistencies that relates to different organs. So if you're purging bright or dark yellow, you're purging out the liver, which is associated with anger, guilt, and judgment. And if it's cloudy or opaque, then that's releasing an unbalanced ego. If you're releasing green, that's releasing the gallbladder, which is releasing jealousy and rage. And there's just like all these different colors and consistencies that come out that correlate to your experience and what you are releasing. So you come in with intention. What are you there to release? What are you working on? And then the purge signifies what you released. And then afterwards, you rest, you integrate, your body acclimatizes again quite quickly. And you feel 
calm, typically clear, mm -hmm. grounded, quiet. I love how quiet I feel after Cambo and cleansed. It's a super powerful body cleanse. I'm a cleanser. I've always been like a, a hardcore detoxer. I was like a started being a raw foodie when I was uh, 19 years old, and I always had an infrared sauna in my house, and I was just always on these like detox methods. I've been drinking green green juice since I was really young, like every day, and uh, just found that Cambo was the most powerful detox method that I had ever come across. And so, yeah, it's a powerful body cleanse, but it also works really deeply with emotional blockages and intentions. So that's basically what it's like to go through a Cambo journey. And then I also incorporate other medicines into that as well. Um, hape is used within the ceremony to help if the purge is stuck and also to ground people at the end. It's a sacred nasal tobacco that is administered through a tepi. It's a little blow pipe that I blow this sacred tobacco powder up your nose. And the powder is made from the ashes of different plants and tobacco. And there's many different types and kinds that are used for different purposes. So there's feminine floral ones that I use at the end of the ceremony to help ground and soften and integrate because the tobacco medicine and the plants, they help to ground and soothe the nervous system. Or I'll use a really strong hape, like a forsa, it's called like a, you know, like a really strong one that will excavate a purge if the purge is feeling stuck. Sinanga, I like to use at the beginning of the ceremony to help prepare people for the intense journey ahead because it's like a microdose of the intensity that is to come and it helps to just like block and get people grounded and into the space right away without their resistances and their anxieties because those energies come up and purge through that experience so that they're able to sit with Cambo a lot easier. So the Sunanga is really good for any eye conditions, as well as just decalcifying the pineal gland, clearing the mind, and hape is for that as well. It's all, all of these medicines, the sananga, the cambo, and the hape, they're all fire medicines. They're used to burn away impurities, and they're blockers. They block us from our thoughts and allow us to have a more quiet, still, calm mind. Yeah, okay, so... Yeah, all painful, all three of those, right? So the Sunanga yeah. is going straight into the eyeballs. Yeah. The Hape is going up the nose. Yeah. And then the Cambo is, you're burning your skin, and then it's going inside the burn, into the body. Into the body. And in case we missed it, like, what is Cambo? Where does it come from? Cambo comes from the Amazon of Peru, and it's from a giant tree frog. A tree frog. A tree frog, and they're super friendly. They have no known predators, so they literally will just jump into the hands of the medicine people that call the frog with a special frog song that they sing, and then the frogs come and they jump into their hands, and then they, they do tie up the frog to collect the medicine, and... The ties around their little feet create a little indent. And so when the frogs come back, and if they still have the little indent around their feet, that means that they're not ready to be harvested yet again. So they need to be plumped out. So they just let the frog go. And that's how they, they do it ethically to collect the medicine. The frog. So I've tried all three of these with you. Um, hape, I had tried previously in it. The first time I ever tried it, I loved it because I have a super overactive mind and in meditation I have a really hard time feeling any type of clarity or connection sometimes and the first time I tried it was unbelievable. I just had this intense like feeling of calmness and kind of just created space in my mind which is really unusual. Cambo, I was scared to try it and then once I did it I definitely felt that quiet um, and it was just a, it was an exercise of trust for me because I was nervous I was anxious and just the experience itself I just had to surrender to and just a matter of forcing me out of my head and into my body and really connecting to my breath in order to get through it which I think is really really powerful in itself and Sananga, when you first mentioned it to me, I thought you were joking. I was terrified. And again, I just, you know, I just had to take that leap of faith and do it and try it and trust myself and know that I could 
get out of my comfort zone and experience something new. So all three have been very positive experiences for me. So thank you for explaining all of that. This is all making me want to just do a bunch of Cambo, just purge everything, get it all out. Get it out. (laughs) So you've mentioned to me that these plant medicines can help people overcome a pattern of attracting toxic relationships. How does that work? Well, for me, from my personal experience, I have been in a lot of toxic and tumultuous relationships, and that kept repeating over and over and over again. Same dude energy in a different costume, just trying to teach me lessons. Basically, the ego magnet within me that was attracting this over and over and over again. And it all stemmed from my daddy issues from way back in the day when all that shit went awry. And that's part of the reason why I became a stripper was because I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be held. I wanted men to like me. I I basically just like wanted my dad to love me. And I was looking for love in all of the wrong places and kept attracting all of this crap. Finally, I found myself in this space where I was like, I am ready to just be a nun and serve my mission for humanity. I am so done with men. Like, I want to heal my relationship to the divine masculine and trust that there are divine male beings out there that are good because whatever I'm doing, I'm just attracting darkness. And whatever happened in that moment when I made that decision to be like, I am good on my own. I am good to just heal my relationship to men and not get attached to them. I created this energetic separation. I literally called in my partner and met him within like a week of this statement that I had made. Then I realized that my counterpart is somebody who is on that purification journey, who is spiritual, who is connected, who is willing to see me for who I am and is willing to work through everything that is out of alignment with me to catalyze and together we catalyze and ascend to higher levels of consciousness together and it's about it's about that it's about synchronized sovereignty so me having my sovereignty and my truth and him having his sovereignty and his truth weaving our sovereignty together into this synchronized state of being it's almost like weaving into unity weaving into oneness and that is at the end of the day what we are we are all one That's so interesting to hear. And so it was in that moment where you decided that you were good on your own when you started to, it started to shift what you were attracting. Yeah. And you weren't even trying to attract anything in that time. And it just came into your life, right? Yeah, I wasn't. I was ready to be a nun. I literally was done with men. That's me right now. Are you a nun now? No, but I just feel like for the first time in my life, I'm 100% good on my own. Don't care if I ever meet anyone. I'm just like good where I'm at. But I have this feeling that, like, that's going to be the time when someone's just going to come into your life, if it's meant to be, right? I have chills everywhere because it's so true. (laughs) It's so true. Oh, I don't know if I'm ready. And I know that I have a lot of friends that are kind of in the same place as me right now. And it's just like, when you're so good on your own, that's when you're going to attract someone who is good on their own. And they're going to have that same energy. I've always been in codependent relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, my whole 20s, I was just kind of looking for someone to validate me in that sense and like to be in a relationship. Did you do any dating in kind of like this spiritual world? Were you dating people who were kind of more aligned with you before your current relationship? I had tried to. So when I left the old life back in 2017, I was celibate for a whole year. I was like, I am taking a, I'm taking time away from men to like heal myself. Yes. And I was celibate for a year and then I tried to date somebody that was spiritual in the summer and it just wasn't in alignment with my soul. And so then I took another time of celibacy and then I went in for another dark, toxic relationship and then I went in for a couple more because I had more lessons to learn. And yeah, so not really. I only really dated one one spiritual guy. Yeah, I find it tough because like my archetype for dating is... And always has been. Like, even when I think about, like, being a young child, like, I was always attracted to the bad boys. Right. Bad boys only. Like, guys that are trouble. Guys that are into trouble. You know? So I obviously am in a very different place in my life now, too. And I would like someone who's like-minded. But I have a hard time imagining that for myself. So I'm having a hard time navigating that balance. And I just keep coming back to just doing me (laughs) just doing you and it'll show up for you when it's time it'll literally just show up on your doorstep and you'll have like such a divine connection to this being that you'll be like the universe planned this (laughs) this is it yeah 
just to switch gears a little bit here, I wanted to ask you as well. So you have a very successful business and you're pretty well known in the city. You're the, the Cambo queen. And just so you guys know, she doesn't refer to herself as the Cambo queen. I just made that up. You're the only person I know who's doing what you're doing, kind of being the go-to person for that type of healing. So what advice would you give anybody listening who is wanting to start something for themselves, take the leap into entrepreneurship? What would you tell them, especially when it comes to doing something that might be considered unconventional? Well, my unconventional ways of working have been in the realms of plant medicine, so I can only truly speak to that. My journey of healing for the last eight years working with the plants has been my training. So I feel like our healing is our training grounds for what we are to offer the world in the unconventional healing arts. So by doing that work, it initiated me into becoming a practitioner over time. And the things that I had to do within the scope of the last eight years was do all kinds of things that... I'm never going to use. So I did all kinds of stuff like yoga teacher trainings, Reiki trainings. I did the integration coaching training. I did all kinds of different things. I can't even remember all the things, but I just kept doing trainings. And I didn't have any attachment to any of them thinking that they were going to be anything. I just knew that I needed to just keep doing stuff to build the endurance, to build the stamina. It's like going to the spiritual gym to just like, keep doing the stuff, keep doing the stuff. I have no idea why I'm doing it, but I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And it's that law of the universe. When you show up, the universe will meet you halfway. And then it starts to create this evolution of my soul and my purpose slowly over time, brick by brick by brick, step by step by step. And then finally, the bricks break open and I'm able to see clearly what I am to do. And that's when it came clear to me that Cambo was going to be the medicine that I was to serve, but I had to like build a giant statue of all of these different things and then just like crack it open. And then in the middle of my statue that I had created was what I was to do, but I had to like go through this whole process of building the statue and breaking it to find what it was that I was meant to do in the world through that process. And it just became so clear one day. So you're saying that you just kept going. You just kept yourself in momentum with no expectation of any specific outcome and just kind of trusted. And eventually it just became clear to you. And you had done enough and gone through enough that you just knew that that was what you wanted to share. I somehow knew, but it was also mixed with a lot of limiting beliefs and a lot of like struggle in the midst of it because I I didn't... I didn't believe in myself. I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm doing this training, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but I know that it's not going to, like, add up to anything. Like, what do I, what am I doing? Like, there was so much confusion and limiting beliefs. But I remember when I left the old life, I tried to start a YouTube channel, and I started creating all of this digital content and learning how to edit videos and learning how to build websites and learning how to do all of this stuff. And... Then I just shut it all down and I was like, ew, I don't like any of this. This is dumb. And then I realized years down the road that the universe was preparing me to be able to learn how to do all of this stuff so that when I became more refined and knew what I was to do in the world, that I could still use those skills and create what I really want to offer the world once I actually knew what it was. And so now I can use all of the skills that I've learned from the past and they've created like a new set of skills that I get to use with what I'm actually doing. So nothing has been lost. None of the things that I have done have been lost. I'm using all of them and I'm integrating them all into what I'm doing. And so that's it. It's like building up all of these tools and then integrating them all into what your offering really is. And it just, it takes time. It takes time and faith and patience and trust. Yeah. I relate to that so much because this is my second career. I was in the corporate world in recruitment doing something completely different a few years back. And before that, I worked in bars and restaurants. And I feel like I've taken core skills from each one that like led me here to being good at what I'm doing now. And it's like so unique and it seems so specific that has like led me here to what I'm doing and I'm using all of those skills from those random jobs and like those random experiences and the certifications and everything that I did over all of that time. Yeah. It's like all the fragmented pieces that we 
do come into embodiment and wholeness somewhere at some point when it's ready. Yeah. Well, you just have to trust, really, right? You just have to stay focused and just trust that everything is happening for a reason. And have faith, finally allowing it to happen. And let go of fear, which is false evidence appearing real. Don't buy into the fear. Just keep going. Keep doing what you love doing. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So I saw on your social media that you mentioned you switched microdosing from psilocybin, so from mushrooms to San Pedro, right? Yeah, I did. So can you compare the two and tell us a little bit about your experience microdosing mushrooms? Because I know there's tons of people who are very curious about that and wanting to start but unsure. And then tell us what you're doing now. So microdosing mushrooms or microdosing anything in general is a way to help reset the neuropathways in the brain over time. And I found that with mushrooms, it's been very beneficial on my journey as a natural antidepressant and a way to connect to the spirit of the medicine and just feel like I have a friend with me. I often felt like with mushrooms, I just had like a little homie with me in my consciousness. I sometimes would get these hits of like deep emotion and sometimes anxiety and weird feelings and like sometimes it would bring up emotional things that were asking me to process which is also really good it's really good to be able to like go into our emotions and to tap in and feel because me I'm someone that has been kind of blocked from expressing and feeling my emotions from just like my crazy life I found that as well, and I've heard that when the research that I was doing before I started microdosing mushrooms, is that whatever kind of state that you're in that day, it can amplify it, right? Like it just helps. We tend to feel our emotions deeper, whatever we're going through. Mm-hmm. If we're happier, the mushrooms will make us happier. If we're feeling more anxiety, it'll bring up more anxiety. And on a macrocosmic scale, Mushrooms are very powerful psychedelics, so they do a lot of wild things in the brain. Whereas with San Pedro, which is mescaline, it's another psychedelic, but it's not super psychedelic. At least it's not for me, or it's not really known to be. It's more known to be like natural MDMA. It's more known to be heart medicine. It's extremely energetic. It gives you a lot of energy, and it really opens the heart. And I started working with the cactuses, in the last six months or so, um, I've always felt very called to them because my mom is from Arizona and her and her sisters used to do cactus medicine in the desert when they were hippies and I always just felt like super connected to that energy and I knew that it was going to come one day and then they finally came and I would sit in ceremony with them and it was like my brain and my thoughts would disappear and then my heart would just open and I'd be like one big heart thinking with my heart and then feeling all of this love radiating within my body and then I started microdosing it and the microdosing it just gives me like this super energized state this like heart opening experience it's super grounding and integrative where I find with mushrooms my experience has been like it's sometimes not very grounding because it's amplifying whatever energy. Whereas with the San Pedro, I find it to be more, I don't know, heart expanding and like rooting. And that energy is something that really appeals to me because I've tripped so many balls in my lifetime and have like (laughs) gone to outer space so much that I really enjoy just like the grounding, heart opening, centered medicine that I receive from San Pedro. So that's kind of where I've shifted to. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Who doesn't like the idea of natural MDMA? Right? Sign me up. That sounds so good. That definitely sounds like something we all need, especially now. Right? <laughs> like a little happiness. Yeah. Do you have a morning ritual? Yeah, I do. I like to do mantras in the sauna and meditate as well in there with a green juice. <laughs> And I do emotional alchemy practices. I basically have exorcisms in the sauna every morning. Oh. Different practices and things to, like, release weird energy within my body, mind, and spirit and have, like, a purification process, sweat it out, and then come out and be reborn. Unreal. So when you say that you're having – what did you call it? An exorcism? Oh, yeah, that. But the alchemy? Oh, yeah, emotional alchemy. Oh, okay. So what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? Well, emotional alchemy is when we can tune into the lower vibrating frequencies that we're feeling 
when we wake up sometimes. So sometimes we wake up in a state or we're holding on to something that has accumulated into this state. And we'll often wake up with like some anxiety or anger or resentment or like these energies that are lower vibrating frequencies. And so I'll lay there and I'll feel the frequency and then I'll be like, okay, can I get a little higher? Can I shift my frequency to acceptance? And then I just keep raising the bar and I feel the frequency of acceptance. And then I'm like, how about forgiveness? Can I feel the frequency of forgiveness? And then I start to radiate at the level of forgiveness and then I move myself up to, what about some self-love? And then I'll start to like feel the self-love and then I'll just keep raising myself up the emotional alchemy ladder and try to like get myself up to like, peace and joy and I'll just keep feeling these different frequencies and then I'll raise myself to the highest vibrational frequency which is unconditional love and I'll just like bask in that and I'll be like what does unconditional love feel like and when you're in the frequency of unconditional love the lower vibrating frequencies just dissolve automatically so I just bring myself into this state and meditate in this state for as long as I can until I embody this state and you know then I'm there. Wow. Yeah. And you do this every morning? I try to, yeah. Such a good idea. It's like a spiritual shower. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Are you a singer? Okay. Okay, so another question I'm going to need you to answer for me is, are you a singer? Yes, I love to sing. Yeah, because in the ceremonies I've been in with you, you have the most be- you have a really nice voice like speaking voice, but you singing, like the first time I heard you sing, I was like, is this actually happening? Like, is this a song playing from a speaker? Like you have the most beautiful singing voice. Is that something that you have done as a hobby or is it just something that you do for fun? Um, well, my dad was a musician and so I grew up around music and I used to live on Rec Beach when I was younger from the age of 12 to 16, I lied about my age and would hang out with all these old hippie dudes. And uh, <laughs> I would sing Beatles songs with them. I'd go down at the beach every day and just like sing the Beatles and like all these songs for like hours and hours. And so I always loved to sing. And then later on in life, once I got over addiction and everything, I got reconnected with my singing voice and started sitting in ceremonies, medicine ceremonies. And in the ceremonies, it's all about singing. The ceremony is held in a container of sacred, divine, beautiful song and music. So I started to reconnect with my musical self in those spaces. And now I I sing again in the morning music and all of that. Oh, good. It's always been like a, yeah, it's always been a natural calling. And your dad's a musician. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah, and your singing is so soothing in those ceremonies. Like, that's probably what got me through, like, the fear that I was experiencing the first, especially the first time I did Cambo. I was like, it's fine. Just listen to her voice. And it was so relaxing and so soothing and, like, kept me present. Oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah, that's what keeps me present in the ceremonies, too, is just riding the wave of the music. Yeah, totally. And what about your rap career? Because I've seen your freestyles, and they (laughs) are fire. rap career oh my god so when I was when I was a drug user I would leave my body and this rapper would enter me and just rap for days on end stop yeah like I would go on these benders for like five days when I wouldn't sleep and this rapper would just like rap and I would have all of these people cycling through my apartment and I'd hold them hostage until they like finally left (laughs) and I would just like rap with them and I would like rap at them and yeah (laughs) yeah and then freestyle battles freestyle battles and it was all like really dark and messed up but I knew that I had that that talent and then over time I started to shift it as I became more conscious and awake in the realm of spirit and light and started to channel in like a different rapper that was was lighter and more divinely connected yeah if you haven't heard her spiritual freestyling I highly recommend it (laughs) can you freestyle for us oh I would need a beat oh yeah I don't have one okay well another time I need to beat. Yeah, good point. Good yeah, point. that's fair. I always need to beat. I could beatbox. Could you? No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't. I don't know how. Bridget, tell our listeners where they can find you on Instagram, since everyone's gonna want to come be healed by you. Oh, come heal themselves with me. Uh, yeah, I'm a true self renewal on Instagram, and you can find me at 
trueselfrenewal.com as well. That's my website. And there's a lot of information on there about Cambo and sobriety coaching, plant medicine integration. And then also on my Instagram page, there's just a lot of a lot of random a lot of random fun things. So find me on there if you like. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me on here for being my first interview. It was fascinating. I could listen to you talk forever. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy sitting here and talking. Okay. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know that I loved and learned so much from my conversation with Bridget. I hope you guys did as well. So much gratitude to Bridget for joining me on the podcast, being my first guest, sharing her energy and her wealth of knowledge and experience. And thank you all for being here and for sharing in this experience with us. Definitely look her up, reach out to her. Thank you guys for putting up with my technical difficulties this week. I'll get that sorted out. Until next time, thank you.